and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I am Dave. And I am Chris. You are a jerk. Why am I a jerk? You just are. Well, the jerk store called, and they're all out of you. They're out of you, homie. <laughs> they're all out of you. So what do you think, man? What's up? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling my mojo. I'm wide awake. I'm ready to go. Dave took me through the back entrance of his restaurant tonight. It was... I felt empowered. Did you like it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. I thought it was going to be much more extravagant. I thought I was going to get to see the Alpha Chips and Dominicans sleeping, but it was really just like a 15-foot deal. But that wasn't the basement. That was just the back. How was I supposed to know what it was? And I didn't show you the the big elevator or the spring that runs through the basement where midget Jews bottle water... As they sing songs. Where do they, like, marinate the meats and stuff? They don't marinate the meats. <laughs> Enough talk. Enough talk about this. This is not what the show is going to be about. The show is not going to be about meat marinating and midget <laughs> juice and spring water. Oh, uh, so we had some I, uh, some topics of recovery. Um, I mean, of drug addiction more than recovery. Uh, one being pathetic things we've done. Not pathetic things we've done. Yeah, I guess pathetic things we've no, done. No, 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 no. The thing is, it's the, yeah, the most, path- what I understood from your topic yeah. was it was the most pathetic using story. Like, like. It was just like when I really wanted to get high and I didn't have drugs, some of the stuff I did. That's what I really meant. Or like when I get it and I couldn't wait to do it. I have so many. All right, why don't we just well, start with well, that? What did you think? Is that what you thought I meant? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, and I and when you asked me if I had a bunch, I was like, yeah. But now that I think about it, I, I, I like my classic story for this, and it's yeah. not that good. But my classic story was one time I was addicted to heroin and I wanted to get clean. So me and my friend Dave went up to uh, my parents' house, which is outside of Albany, New York, and. Um, it's this lake house in the middle of nowhere, you know what I mean? And there's yeah. nothing there, and it's just like, in a movie, you go there to detox drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we went out and that's there. that's where Todd is out there. He's nearby. <laughs> yeah. He's nearby. But he wasn't there then. You Should know, we try he, calling Todd tonight? Should we try calling him right now? Just call him, see what happens. All right. I'm they gonna... keep telling your story, because he's so, not going to answer. We went, we went <laughs> to my <laughs> parents' house. Let's leave a message for him, and he'll know it's in Dopey. What do you mean? We'll leave a voicemail and be like, this is me- message is... No. No, I'm not? just going to hang up. I'm angry at Todd. Okay. I don't even want to call him, but I think he's so good on the show. I think he's so good. Put on speakerphone. No, I was going to put it to my ear. <laughs> you got to hold it to this. This is where the microphone is, right there. But Maybe you the should butt, hold it. Hold the butt of the phone. There you go. You should hold it. You should shut up. You should go fuck yourself. <laughs> you should go fuck yourself. You should go fuck that sober guy. I like it when Omar mentioned fags. And th- yeah, and I know. There's some strong <laughs> language for recovery. <laughs> Your call has been forwarded no. to an automated voice. you want to leave a message? No. Right. no. Should we give the Dopey Nation his number? No. And tell him to no. text him and say, how are you doing, Todd? No. No, let's leave Todd alone. Okay, so you were in Albany. So I was. We were in this town. It's actually a, like a town called Hoosick or Grafton. If you guys are from there, one of these tiny towns. And um, we get there, and uh, 
we're instantly sick and we're instantly like, why did we come here? We need to get high. So we, um, we got some like some sort of painkiller that was in a gel cap, but it was like not a like good a prescription thing. Yeah. But it was not like a good painkiller and we started snorting it. We like undid the gel cap and it and it like froze up our nose. It like solidified in our nose and it burned. And it wasn't like a powder. It was like shards of plastic and it like burned really bad. It was really very painful. Why are you snorting? Was it was it even a narcotic? No, I don't think so. I don't know what it was. It was just some like bullshit. Or yeah, something. so it was some bullshit. And we didn't get it up there. And it just like hung out in the nose, burning. And then we're like. We're dope sick and our noses hurt. We need relief. So I was like, I was like, let's go to Albany and see if we can score. Just on the street. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, all right, yeah. So we started driving around Albany and I was like, this neighborhood looks pretty shitty. Yeah. And and my line, this was my line. Yeah. I would see like some poor looking guy and I'd be like, I don't mean to freak you out. But do you know where I can get some heroin? <laughs> that was my line. Did it work? There, it didn't work. What did they say? They said, uh, no. No. Yeah. But this is also before the opiate epidemic really had hit full swing. This was like 20 years ago. Yeah, but it's, you could always get it. I don't mean to freak you out, but do you have some heroin? <laughs> do you know where I could get some heroin? <laughs> All you have to do is go to a methadone clinic. I don't know why we didn't go yeah, to a methadone clinic. you go to a methadone clinic. Or you just ask the cab drivers are pretty good. I don't mean to take freak you out. Take, take me to a shitty part of town. Right. We were just driving around. Yeah. Then, then um, it didn't happen. We went back to my parents' house. My parents obviously weren't there. We smoked all the weed we had. And I was like, fuck it. Let's go home and get dope. And we you drove went all the way back. We drove all the way back. It's almost like your methadone uh, pot story. Methadone pot you story. You packed up your bottles of methadone and went to go grow pot and they fired you after a day. It's nothing like that story. <laughs> it seems similar in my head. It's nothing like that story. Okay, go back though. You so then, so then, then, then it's like really, it's like, it was like in the afternoon, but it takes four and a half hours to drive back to Manhattan from there. Yeah. So when we hit... And my drug dealer at the time was this dude named KK. Yeah. And KK had it going on. Like, he had a nice leather jacket, a nice car, a girlfriend. Like, and I, he loved me because I spent, like, more than $100 every day. You know, I was just... And you're, like, nice and not yeah. shady. It was good money. He would come to my house, you yeah. know, whatever. And um, when we got to Westchester, I can even remember... I can remember the feeling completely. Yeah. We're in the car. I'm in the front seat. Western is still far, though. Yeah, but he was in the Bronx. Oh, okay. So I knew that we'd get there at exactly so, yeah. the same time. And once he said he was coming, I would feel better. Of course. You as know? soon as you cop, you feel better. No, no. All I needed to know was that he was he had it, and he was going to be at my house. And, I, and then it's like smooth sailing. Then you're like, the sickness has... You know, it has its window. I had to have it in my hands. If, if KK was coming and he had it, there was no question, yeah. everything was good. Yeah. And he had it, and he was coming, and, like, that was it, you know. Um, that's the first, like, when we were snorting that weird drug to yeah. do something. Then the other thing that always pops into my mind was just smoking resin. You know, yeah. I had crazy resin supplies at all time that if I but ever... that works, though. Yeah. People used to get so pissed if you scraped their bowl. Well, that... Really? Oh, yeah. Not this in my world. a big thing in high school. If you, like, 
borrowed someone's bowl and then returned it and it was scraped, people would get so angry. But once you're older, if someone if, if you if you find that little trolley guy that wants your resin, you're happy to have him clean your glassware. Oh yeah, when you when you have when you can buy weed regularly, who gives a shit? So what's your what what was yours? We got a bunch. We'll start with one. We'll start with the least severe. All right. We'll go. We'll go up uh, substance wise. I remember in high school, this was just nothing stupid. All right. So we. I really wanted to get drunk. We didn't have anything, and the only thing we could steal was a bottle of you know creme de menthe is. Yeah. So we stole a bottle of creme de menthe. Um, from my friend's parents, and I just remember chugging that, and I got so sick. It's like really, th- it's like sugary and thick, where like the bubbles would be going up slow. How old were you? Fourteen. So that's that's. What were you looking to get? Drunk? Anything? Just anything? Yeah. You're at your friends. You want to get fucked up? Parents had like so much farmies in their um, cabinet. They had like three, farmies. They had probably three hundred prescription bottles in like a closet. Good stuff. Back to the 80s. Yeah, I used to, I've talked about this on Dopey. I used to go in when his parents were gone. I'd go in there and they had like, you know, Valium shit, but prescriptions for Valium from the, like the 80s. And um, it would always be like just the generic like name for most of the stuff. And anything that ended in like Pam or Odone, I would just like put in a bag. <laughs> for even, further research. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even research it. I was like, this is like before I would even like Google the pill score. You know, this is like 2000. This is like 2000. No, like 1999-2000. And I would... uh, And I'd just take them. I didn't even know what they were. I'd just take like 30 pills throughout the night. I'd be really fucked up. Some of it probably wasn't even a narcotic. Um, So the the creme de mint was the weakest one. Then I remember in high school, I was... I had taken a shitload of Adderall. I would get drunk and then sometimes pop like 200 milligrams of Adderall, like 10, 20s, like a lot. And then, uh, and it would be fun for like a little bit. And then it would be like 5 a.m. and the birds would be chirping and all my friends would be asleep and I'd be miserable. And I'd try to drink and smoke it away. So I'd drink as much booze as I could and then try to smoke weed. And sometimes it would like put me under. And I had a bunch of weed and I was in the third floor of my friend's parents' house. I remember all I had was. It was like, I don't even know if Naked Juice was around back then. It was like a, a square bottle, plastic bottle, right? And I had no tinfoil or anything. And I just poked holes in it on the top of it. And I'd put the butt on it. And I was just like, maybe if I just like roast the top of the butt. That should work. Yeah, it would be all right. And it didn't. It would melt the plastic. It still worked. And I got high. But, but I you was, also probably got high on the plastic yeah, fumes. Yeah, burning plastic. You know, it ruined the bottle. You know, like, it just like melt right through it. Um... And then stepping up in severity. This now just gets, like, dirty. One funny one was trying to smoke crack off of the the stuff that looks like tinfoil in um, uh, cigarette packages. It's not even tinfoil. It's a piece of paper with, like, spray metal stuff. Continue. Which didn't work. You just, like, burn your nose and ruin the crack. Um, And then these are the worst ones. Um, Always just, like, using, you know, like, toilet water... Or Coca-Cola to drop shots. I remember being drunk once, and I had Coke, and I was in an alley, and I tried just putting the Coke in the palm of my hand and spitting on it and drawing it up, which you can't, syringes won't really drop spit. And I just, like, kept on trying, and, like, I got, like, a little bit in there. And How old were you at this point? I was, you're like, 25. Saying, I was, you're like, 26. You're saying you'd 25. have Coke. 
Yeah. And you'd have a syringe. And I was but just somehow sh- you couldn't get water. Yeah, I don't know. So you decided to spit in your hand. Is that the story you're <laughs> yes, telling me? Yes. But Why could you not, not get even, water? Were you in the desert? <laughs> where, where is there no water? <laughs> Dude, it gets worse than that. But no, but seriously. I'll tell you. Wait, wait, wait. The one after this is way worse than that one. The water I actually remember where it was it was in Dorchester, and Dorchester like the water's bad in Dorchester. No, they're just like hip to junkies using bathrooms everywhere. And plus, I had, like coke paranoia. Like I'd already been shooting coke, and so I didn't want to go in and use a bathroom anywhere because they immediately assume you're doing drugs. And then like I was doing drugs, and I was like paranoid. Like you totally can. You can get in and lock the door. But it's just like hard to find a bathroom to use because that's what everyone. There's just so many junkies around Dorchester. So I was in an alley, but it was, I ended up getting some spit in the syringe, and it's like it wouldn't draw up. And then like I couldn't inject it; it just, just kept stabbing myself. Hold on, Dude. Hold on. Dopey Nation! If you've ever spit on drugs and tried to draw that up, write us an email. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> I don't under. I can't even believe that this is the story I'm hearing. I can just picture you. You're sitting there, and I'm all you're like sweating. Some, and I'm all coked out, so my mouth is dry. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find it's a like all bubbly with. and white to spit. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> it's like, <sighs> it's like I can't even imagine. It's like wa- it's like water is not hard to find. It's like this story, like for some reason, it just takes the cake. Dude, the next one, the next one's worse. This is this is the most. Dep- but can you? I mean, let's just stop for a second. Where on the world can you not get... You have to be in Ethiopia or something? Like, where could you be that there's no fucking water? Dude, I used puddles, too. There was no puddles. (laughs) What were you using puddles for? Can I have a glass of water? You go to McDonald's. Can I have a glass of water? I used to use puddles, and it would be like... The puddle would be like brown water. This is in the Caribbean. And I'd like put some in my hand. I'd be like... I'd like hold the syringe. It just used to be hardcore or something. (laughs) I'd just hold the syringe. It's not even hardcore. It didn't work. It was just a waste of drugs. But what do you... Th- I mean, but that's like or some like... I was like, paranoid. I was paranoid. You think it was paranoia? Yeah, I didn't want to go in anywhere, and I wanted to do it quickly. It was paranoia and wanting to do it quickly. It was like a horrible combination. Oh, it's priceless. The worst one... This is the worst one. It's still... Like, when I sit there, and if I really think back and remember this, it's probably the only thing that like, gives me, like, the heebie-jeebies still. I'm like, that is the grossest thing I've ever done. Like, just so disgusting. And I think I've talked about this on the show. Is not the same thing. Shooting coke. I didn't have any water, and I, there was no puddles, and I just, there was, like, somebody had a garbage can outside, and it had, like, garbage in it that was, like, wrapped up in, like, garbage bags, but it was still an old garbage can, and there was water at the bottom, and I drew up the water at the bottom of the garbage can, like an old, like, where you'd, like, take it out and throw them in, you know, like, from, like, nobody's ever washed You're it. You're probably, like, right next years. to, like, a hose. There's, probably like, a waterfall <laughs> trickling down the mountain. You're like, nah, nah, I want the garbage water. Now, did you cook it? No. So you use stagnant garbage <laughs> water? Yeah. Did you taste the garbage? Uh, no, but I did get sick. But that, I got sick after that run, but it was um, it was a bad run. The idiocy. I don't even know. I got a really bad... Uh, when, I'm the, when I was shooting the puddle water in the Caribbean, I got back from... Dude, I got back from the Caribbean, and I, uh, I started pissing blood, right? Um, like, before I got back. I'm surprised you like didn't try to shoot in, the blood coming out of your fucking dick. <laughs> Dude, like, while I was in the Caribbean, I, I, I was drinking a lot, too. And um, so I was peeing just, like, straight blood. And uh, I was drunk, and I was in this, uh, I like, a casino bathroom or something. And I thought it would be... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be funny, so... 
There was a guy next to me, right? I pissed and I, I like tapped him. I'm like, hey. And the guy's like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. And I go point in the urinal. <laughs> my buddy fucking pissed. <laughs> he was literally like, he was literally like, dude, you need to go to a hospital. Did you know him? No. <laughs> dude, he was like, you need to go to the hospital right now. Dude, and then dude. I went home and it turns out I had a really big kidney stone and I couldn't even pass it when they had to. Operate. Oh, that's why you were pissing blood. Yeah, kidney I had stone. a kidney stone. But I didn't like, fe- it got painful. I didn't like feel anything because I guess maybe I was drunk all the time. I see a lot of uh, Valium too. I have to say, we've been doing this podcast for a bit, and that when Chris Chris has a lot of tells, like <laughs> on his face, like what's happening with him, he gets this look before he's gonna tell the the worst story. <laughs> it's like this look of shame plus like getting away with something. He he, he looks down. Part of his mouth smiles. He gets kind of scared. And then, like, bam, he's at the urinal. <laughs> Look at my bloody piss. <laughs> Dude, you know what I just remembered? When I shot the garbage juice, right? Like, yeah. So I was living with this Japanese girl. I'm Why like, did you save all these? <laughs> I told this on the show. I thought at some point. I, don't, I didn't tell this piece. I told that I shot garbage juice once. I don't think I went into detail. So I was living with this Japanese girl, and, like, the cat was out of the bag. Like, I was—I didn't show up, so she calls my parents. They know something's up, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm out getting high for, like, a couple days, and then I'm like, ah, like, I'm all out of everything. I'm like, I'm going to go home. I'm not going to go back to the Japanese girl that I'm living with. So I went back to, like, my parents' house, right? And I, sh- <laughs> I showed up. I used to have this thing where, like, I would just, like, make shit up, like, because I thought it would be better for some reason. So I came home and I'm like, and I've just been drinking a lot too. I've been shooting coke, but at this point I was just like shit faced. And I come home and I pretended that the girl that I was dating, the Japanese girl, I'm not even going to say her name, like so and so. I'm like, she's cheating on me. <laughs> she wasn't even cheating on me. What? So there's a story <laughs> of why you're all fucked yes. up? <laughs> I thought it would be Take better. a pity you. I'm like, she's cheating on me. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. And you know what? I got back together and stayed with her, and I never even mentioned this. Correct. <laughs> 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 Your parents were. It's like they had no idea why you were with the the, the whatever the she cheater cheating Japanese girl. <laughs> she and I like it. It's like you're so down and out. She's not cheating on you. She's cheating on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you drop the G when you're so down and out. She's cheating. On, she's cheating on me. Dude, she. I told you about how I used to go when I'd be coked out. I would go through her um, laptop. Yes, yes, yes. that was funny with the coded messages. I I like strawberries so much or whatever. Yeah, the funniest thing to me is that. um, What is the funniest thing to me? It's that uh, I don't remember. Please, what are you gonna say? I was going to talk about the, um, maybe we should shift focus. There's so many depraved stories. I can't even remember. Those are like the four I can remember off the top of my head. But just being like, having that obsession to use. I remember I was out with one chick and we were like running around and she'd get the obsession to use so bad. She would start crying, but not, she wasn't dope sick. She had no sickness. Do you know what I mean? Like we had been using for like two days, but she just would want to get high so bad. She would cry and I'd literally have to like hug her and hold her. That's sweet. Yeah. This reminds me of a story that I wanted to tell. Um, and, I, and there's a guy who follows us on Twitter. I think his name is Adam. He's always looking for uh, fish-related stories. And, um, you know, 
We've talked about fish. I'm not I'm not the biggest fish fan in the world. I like fish. But um I had this job. I was uh I think I was a, an associate producer at the time for this company. Or maybe I was producing at the time for this company. And this was the company that hired me and like the dude who hired me sits me down in an office and he says he says, now I know you, and I wasn't a drug addict. I was barely a drug addict at the time. I was yeah. like 23 years old. I had done a lot of drugs here and there, but I wasn't a fucking drug addict. Yeah. And I was, you know, pre, whatever you call it, pre-contemplative drug addict, you know, using, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, was, I, it was still uh, recreation and experimentation. I was a stoner. I was an everyday pot smoker. I was still working for you. I had done coke. You hadn't crossed the in- invisible line. Not even close. Yeah. I hadn't even seen it. Yeah. I had not any idea of what well, that line You don't see it. It's like. an invisible line. Right. Uh, yeah. I was not aware that it was near yeah. me. Anyway, yeah, that's why it's an invisible. <laughs> but he says, he says, I know you think you've taken a lot of drugs, but trust me, I've taken more. And I was like, cool, man. <laughs> and, he, he, and it's like, what kind of thing is that to say to somebody? My dad said something to me once. Huh? When I was younger, he said to me, um, like, some, one of those things like, I spilt more booze on my tie than you'll ever drink. And I remember he said it when I was like, 17 or 18 for the dopey nation my dad's 30 years sober and then i remember like five or six years later i remember thinking once like my dad's like seeing my addiction to my alcoholism like he's never gonna say that again yeah right. <laughs> anyways continue you so, guys said he, he, yeah and then he hires me and, and i mean i can tell the long version of the story or i can just tell the part that i want to tell the long i'll tell a bit of the long version just because it's interesting yeah. he hires me um to work on a, a bunch of college talk shows and game shows and stuff and then he has me working on his show he has a stoner cooking show called half baked where uh, you've mentioned this at least told me i don't know he's done this i think it might have been on a lost tape and um the stoner cooking show the premise it was it was like before the dave Chappelle movie came out Mm -hmm. so like actually the dave Chappelle movie had to pay them like 15 grand to use the name half baked yeah but so the show was there was this guy he was a cook and he would get stoned and then show college kids how to cook, like, munchies or whatever. And, like, I got hired as the marijuana coordinator for the show where I had to bring – they'd give me money to buy weed. Then I'd have to bring the weed to the show. Then I'd have to get the host high. And was this in L.A. or is this No, in, it was in Manhattan. And this is probably back when marijuana wasn't, like, a slap on the wrist type deal. No, whatever. I mean, I mean, no, it was much more I mean, criminal. Now it's basically yeah. like legal in, in New York. But I was never worried about that. Yeah. But I would, I would, so I would go buy a bunch of buds. No, I'm saying that job would be like kind of useless nowadays. Well, I mean, unless, it, unless it's just like your coffee boy, like that's the equivalent of a coffee boy today. Well, there is that show. Vice makes a show called Bong Appetit, which sounds like exactly the same show as the show I worked on. And I'm sure there's somebody there who has to, is in charge of getting the weed and keeping them high and yeah. you know all that shit. But so I, I would have to get him high, and then I'd have to figure out if he was too high, and then I'd have to get a sandwich for him to eat if he was too high. <coughs> and, then, and then like I wound up... I worked there for a few years, and I wound up becoming a heroin addict there. I also wound up producing a TV show... Uh, Needing to score dope all the time before I would shoot, like getting sick in there. I had a bong in the edit room and I would smoke weed all day. But I would also get clean all the time. Like it, it, it hadn't really gotten its hooks in me for a bit. And then the guy was like, we want to go to Maine um, to this fish festival called the Lemon Wheel. 
and uh, we want you to come with us, and we're going to pay you to come just for the fun of it. Because, like, I was friendly with these yeah, guys, and yeah, they okay. owned the company. It was like a fantasy, the whole thing to them. Okay. They're, you know what I mean? Like, the whole thing was, like, this incredible adventure slash, I can't believe this is happening for us. And, and it was, like, very successful. It was it was bought by Lorne Michaels' company, this company. So there was a lot of money. And we could do a lot of weird stuff that was fun, and it was all paid for by the company. Yeah. So And I didn't give a shit about fish, but I always wanted to go to a fish concert, and I always wanted to go to a, a festival. So I was like... I'll go. And Brad, you know, the guy, came too. Yeah, yeah. And I think. I want to say, yeah, he came too. And we get there, and um, we went up in a Winnebago. They rented a Winnebago, and we all go up in a Winnebago. You really do it. Yeah, and then after that, we drove down to Georgia trying to shoot stuff on the road. We weren't going anywhere. We were just traveling. Yeah. And, like, we didn't sh- We shot nothing. I mean, we shot a couple things, but we didn't use anything. But when we went to the Lemon Wheel, like... They wanted to get high, you know. They, I mean, I had a ton of weed, but they wanted to do like ecstasy and acid. But they were scared uh, of getting bad drugs, so that, so I just said, "Oh, you're the test." Yeah, I decided I was going to test everything. Yeah. So we're walking around, walking around, and, and they got somebody to be like Molly, you know, ecstasy, whatever. I never get that bad drug fear. No, I, mean, <laughs> I was like, good. I, I was like, I was like, just give it to me. I was like, let me try it, and I'm like, this stuff's okay. But I think we could do better. <laughs> and, then, and I just, I was just taking. I just took like ten pills of ecstasy, yeah. like wandering around this, this, uh, you know, you Air ever, Force base. You ever get fake X? Like I got, I did fake XC a bunch, like really fake. Not even like it'd be like DXM, be some bullshit. But even then, I'd be like. It's not ecstasy, but like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind it. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Exactly, and yeah. then and then, but so like, I actually ran into Todd there randomly. Bumped into him. Yeah, I was actually talking about him, and then there he was on a bike. It was just bizarre. Wow. But anyway, so the night comes right. And uh, and I'm like rolling like crazy, and I don't think they've decided that they they trust that I liked any of the ecstasy, so they're still seeking, and I've been like tripping all day. Yeah. And then um, and then some dude goes, city drugs, and I had I had like heroin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had like that's so funny. That's what they call it in fish shows, city drugs. That's what they did there, you know. And that and, makes sense. And I hadn't done dope in like three days. City drugs. And like I was like, and I didn't have a crazy habit, but I was in a little bit of withdrawal. And I heard city drugs, and I was just every hair on my body stood up. And I was like, and I was with my bosses. Yeah. And I didn't want them to know that I did city drugs, yeah. you know. And I went, listen. I re- I like grabbed the hippie by the collar. And I'm like, listen. I'll be back here in five minutes on this spot. And I'm like walking with my bosses and yeah. whatever. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I think I left my shoe back there. So, you know, yeah. I'm like trying to make, <laughs> and I go back and I can't find him. Oh, and I'm just like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I never found him. I never found him. But what I did find was uh, a nitrous tank. And I just camped out at the nitrous tank, and I, like, sucked down balloons, like, as though I was going to get high on dope. Yeah. You know, and I wound up waking up in a tent with some strange chick. It was very odd. It was crazy. I can't believe I told that story. It's a good story. I feel like that'd be somebody's nickname at a fish show that was, like, did coke and did heroin. What? City drugs. I wonder if that is a fish thing. I wonder if that is a fish thing. But, um... It's so funny, because I used to, when I was, like, 14, 15... I'd go around the city, and I'd ask for, like, ecstasy and LSD. 
And they'd be like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, look at that, though. We were just, we were just in my restaurant, and that kid is a very he urban he LSD, kid. Yeah. And he's, he's he dying for LSD. And then, like, it's well, like... You just gotta go to the rave scene. You gotta know where you're going. Go to college. You know, find some nerdy fucking hippie. Yeah. No? Yeah, I mean, it's probably easier in the city to just go to a rave. Where's a rave? What do you mean? It's, I bet you look online. You can find one you can walk to tonight. And you go there and they just have acid everywhere. Yeah, we'll have ecstasy and there'll be a good chance that you can find somebody who has acid. They said You ever have... You, know, you know what always surprises me? Yeah, well, non-city dr- yeah. country drugs. Yeah. <laughs> what always surprises me about you... What I always imagine you is like having... One of those eyedropper bottles full of liquid LSD. You've said this before. And you've never that. had it. No. I've never had I it either. I once paid a guy. <laughs> this is how pathetic I am. I once was one <laughs> this one fucking dude in Harvard Square once told me. He, remember Sweet Breath? Yeah. Yeah, the little drops. Uh-huh. He told me he had a Sweet Breath thing full of LSD. And I paid him 20 bucks to put two drops in my mouth. But it turns out it was just sweet breath. Like an hour later, it was like, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, ah, I just paid 20 bucks for two drops of sweet breath. But it was some sweet I remember I was breath. like, it's minty. And he's like, yeah, there's some left in there. Like some sweet breath mixed in with the LSD. That would be an awesome uh, name for LSD. Sweet breath? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happened to sweet breath? That shit's gone. I haven't seen that in ages. I don't know. Fucking <laughs> oh, dude! I just remembered in Harvard Square once. I was, uh, we went out drinking with my friend. He ended up going to the hospital, and uh, it was back when we were like, this is again where we couldn't drive. It's probably fifteen, and um, we had like a couple fifths of vodka. I think I was drinking Bacardi Dry. It was like white rum. It was a weird drink back then. But we had a couple of fists of that, and uh, I remember drinking with my friend. And I, I drink like right off the rip. Like I could drink a lot. Like it just like naturally, because I'm Irish, and it's in the blood. So like I could always drink like a lot. Like even when I was like 14, 13, I could have like 10, 15 drinks in a night, and it just got worse. So I went out with my friend, and um, we're hitting this bottle, and he's fucking chugging it, like just like seriously chugging it, and like. I just was like, I remember just thinking like, wow, like he can drink a lot. Do you know what I mean? But like, I didn't realize like he's a fucking idiot, fourteen year old that doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, you know? And so he seems. Were like, you fourteen too? Yeah, I was fourteen too. But like, I don't know. I just I, I figured he knew what he was doing, you know? And so we're like going around, going around, <laughs> going around, going around. <laughs> and this isn't even going to sound funny when I tell it. You just think I'm a dickhead. And so we're going, we're on the red line in Harvard Square to go back. I lived in Back Bay. And uh, we're waiting to get on the train, and uh, my friend's like, we had to help, help him walk. He was really bad. And uh, and I go to get on the train, and this woman's like, oh, my God. She's like, I'm calling the, an ambulance. She's like, your friend's, like, really bad. And I turn to him, like, he's not. Like, he's fine. Like, I'm just going to take him home. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you don't need to call an ambulance. And I look over, and he's literally just convulsing <laughs> and vomiting all over <laughs> yeah, like, nothing to see here. Like, he's fine. And then she called the ambulance, and he had to get his stomach pumped. And but when you turned came. around, when you turned around, you I saw him. No, I didn't know. He was yeah. convulsing yeah. and vomiting. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. He was literally just sitting there like... Like puke Dude, that's hysterical. <laughs> There's nothing not funny about yeah. about a, a 14 year old kid <laughs> convulsing and vomiting on themselves. Yeah. There's just nothing not funny about it. It's that. so funny too when I see like a 14 year old now. It's like, oh my god! Like I was already like smoking weed daily, drinking on the weekends, doing meth, doing other things I could get my hands off, and like I see these 
babies, like baby faces. I'm like, like that's why I got so fucked up. I was doing hardcore shit so young, you know. Well, you were seeking oblivion, my but friend. there were other people that were doing it that turned out okay. That didn't turn out to be a total drug addict. Yeah, you never know. And man. some did. You know? I'm telling you, the mystery of drug addiction is like mysterious. It is. You know, I mean, it's like you don't know that one thing didn't change everything right away. Yes. You know what I mean? There was no reason that you went left one day instead of going right. You know what I mean? And and you're you're this person. And if you had gone the other way, you could be somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no... T- especially with drug addiction, you know? I I never saw it coming. You know what I mean? Like, I really didn't see it coming. I should have. And then when you see... Then when it happens... Okay. I just want to talk about this. All right. Um, and it's a total change of topic, and maybe you're not going to like it, but I don't care. Um, this morning, like, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Facebook, and... Uh, Howard Stern addiction, you know, whatever. And there's this thing that comes up and it says, uh, I miss Artie. Okay? Like somebody yeah. writes, I miss Artie. And then somebody writes, you should just listen to his dopey podcast. And uh, Oh, and you thought it was about No, and then, I, and then I wrote, I wrote, or you could listen to the real dopey podcast. Did anyone respond to it? No. Oh. Uh, but then I, I keep looking and I see somebody put this other thing up that said... The Artie Lang Complete Addiction Saga. And it's 24 hours of uh, sound bites from the Howard Stern Show. From the first time Artie ever called out till his last suicide attempt or whatever. What do you mean called out? Like, Artie's heroin addiction manifested on the Howard Stern Show. You're saying the the first time he called out because he was high? Because he was sick. Because he was sick. But he was using. When you say, so addiction saga, it's not him telling stories. It's stuff because of his addiction or what? Yeah, it's it's 24 hours long. I listened to two and a half hours of it today. What is it? it Okay, this morning, it's like, it's amazing as a drug addict. You know, and it's amazing as a drug addict podcast or whatever, and exactly what we're talking about. It's like, <clears throat> also on the Howard Stern Show, I listened to like six weeks of the Howard Stern Show this morning, just already calling out them like playing, he's like, hey Gary, <clears throat> I'm sick, I'm not going to be able to make it to work today. And then them like playing the tape over and over again, and them yeah. being like, oh, he's probably on coke again. Blah, 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 so blah, they blah, blah, record blah. it and then play it on the show? Oh, yeah, over That's and over. Funny, yeah. The show is four hours long. So they so I'm listening to two and a half hours of like four days. And they, they just keep saying it. And they're speculating what's wrong with Artie. What's wrong with Artie? What's wrong with Artie? Doesn't he listen to it later that day? Maybe. Yeah. And, then, and then like he comes back and he goes, oh, I, I was just stressed out about so-and-so. And then like, but then the next day. So they day, know. They knew though. They knew. No, they didn't know. Then the next day, he calls out again, and he says, um, oh, <clears throat> I've got this horrible stomach thing, and I'm throwing up everywhere. I, I just can't come to work. And uh, <clears throat> and then, like, listener phone calls start coming in, and they're like, I think he's on Oxycontin. He's on heroin. And Howard's like, Artie's not a drug addict. This is not a drug thing. Blah, blah, blah. And then Artie, like, missed another day. 
and then like he comes in to defend himself. You gotta put that away, man. It's like you gotta I'm, be kidding me. I'm texting someone to call in that you told me to text. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, my sponsor. All right. Yeah. Um, so like we're talking about little bits, like an Artie, you know, is on heroin, and like they don't know it, and he's like saying he's stressed out about a movie deal, and we're talking about, I mean. It's 24 hours long. I'm in the first two hours, and the fact that he's on drugs hasn't come up yet. So Did we're you talking go to about the end. No. Why didn't you go to the end? That's why I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Oh, you are. I love. I love this. Do you think maybe we'll get famous and one of us will relapse and we'll have a segment like that? No. It would be good for downloads. Yeah, I don't think that <laughs> we're going to be famous. I think that it's more likely that we relapse than we're going to be famous. What is your sponsor saying? He said, "You have momentum or dead space." Neither. Um, <laughs> neither. Yeah. We have dead space, but what do, what do you think about that Artie Lang complete addiction saga? Does that sound interesting to you? Um, I think it's good. I think it's... I think it's I'm You're not... Sure. You can't do... No, I am. I'm listening. I think it would be good. What do you mean you think it would be good? It's happening. I'll say we're good without it, but we want you to tell a story. Say so call me in three. All right. Who said call who in three? This is my sponsor. So my sponsor, I, well, we wanted to do it. Uh, <coughs> no, that was, I, that actually was really interesting and I want to listen to it myself. Where can I find it? Where can the Dopey Nation find it? Okay. It's a complete, it's a guy called WMD. WebMD? I'm on Omar's page. Um... We're both on our phones now. Here, it's called the complete, the complete Artie Lang addiction saga. Okay, I'm gonna tell Dylan most pathetic things. No, no, no. He just tells best story. Drugs. Look at this picture of him. That's him on the Stern show. Oh my! He looks really fat. More fat than normal. He's incredibly fat. You know what I was noticing too. An interesting fact about heroin addicts, right? When it's like most of the dopey nation is like in their 20s and they're like young and virile and like not having wasted their whole lives. Yeah. But you notice older junkies, right? The most interesting phenomenon of, of, of withered opiate abuse in older people is the de-sexing of the drug addict. Meaning, an old junkie man looks like a woman, and an old junkie woman looks <laughs> like a man. They move toward the middle. It's like this de-sexing, true. a softening of the man and a hardening of the woman. It's That's a, a very astute observation, because I, I concur with that. Isn't that amazing? It is. Like well, ha- that happens in general, first of all. As women get older, their estrogen levels drop, and as men get older, their estrogen levels rise. So that happens just naturally. But it's it got to be it outpaces it for addiction. It almost like picks. I don't you know look at Artie. Biological basis. Artie looks like a woman at yeah. this point. He looks like a, a grandmother. And you look at these bitches at the methadone clinic, and they look very masculine. All right, I'm calling. Hold Dylan. on, I want to apologize to Artie and these bitches at the methadone clinic. Yeah, sorry. And I apologize for you for not paying attention while I was texting you. You killed my whole fucking I, thing. I actually really liked it, though. I want to listen to it. Ugh, you're Are you ready? Okay, you're so, uh, Dopey Nation, we're calling my sponsor, who called me sporadically once during the show, but we've been meaning to get him on the show, uh, and just to, to sort of prime a little bit about him, 
when I got sober, I couldn't uh, listen to anybody because I thought I was like worse than everybody. And I was like, nah, nobody used like me. Now I can listen to anyone and get something from anybody's share. But my sponsor was fucking like worse than me. Really bad drug addict. And, uh, so we're going to call in right now. And then supposedly my grand sponsor is going to fucking call in too. On this one? No, on this one. I got to set that up. But he, I didn't know if he'd dig it. He listened to it and he likes it. All right. Oh, shit. You good with this? All right. Yo. Yeah. Say hi to the Dopey Nation. Dopey Nation. What's up? What's up, Dave? What's up, Don? How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. Very good. We're in a very fancy hotel. Really gaining yeah. up tonight. Yeah. Where are you? We're in a... We're, we had to... We needed a place to stay in Manhattan, and my dad has a lady friend in his apartment, so Chris... <laughs> Chris was like, we should get a hotel room. So tell, we did. Well, tell Dylan about the sleeping arrangements. Oh, we're sharing the bed tonight. <laughs> That's great. It's a king-size bed, though, so it's... Oh, it's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> so how, what are you up yeah. to, man? You sound very spry and awake. I am awake. I'm doing... Oh, I'm in, like, spring cleaning mode, which apparently I have a mode of these days. Um, going through, like, all my winter gear and storing it, like, all my snowboard stuff. Nice. Mm. Yep. Squirreling yep. stuff away. Dylan, can we talk about uh, your venture without going into specifics? What's going on in your life business-wise? Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. Well, I'll just say first. So Dylan, um, he's opened up uh, several sober livings. And um, basically, Dylan's going to be forever young for the rest of his life because he has a continuous onslaught of 20 to 30-year-olds who are junkies that he can uh, go to the Y and play basketball with and um, take to meetings. And, and mentor. And mentor, yes. And mentor, right, not to be forgot, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. That's actually, that's like one of my favorite parts, obviously, is why I do it. It's just like being a total knucklehead. I love like the first two years. There's something about the freedom and like the fun of the first year or two that I'm going to try to live the rest of my life. Totally. The first year, it's great. It's like Ben and Jerry's and reruns in the gym, and then after that, everything hits and sucks. <laughs> You're just doing, yeah, exactly. You're getting <laughs> congratulated at every turn. Uh, yeah, no, it's beautiful. So things are good. I mean, I don't know. Things are like um, tenuous but awesome, and we're making some like risky moves with remodels and having fun with that kind of stuff. But that's um, awesome. Yeah, what a, like, what a no cool matter thing. What, it'll be able to work out in some way, you know. The plan is to get my doctorate and then uh, go work for Dylan, and I can be forever young with him. Well, what do you need your doctorate to work for him for? I don't know. I need it, though, right, Dylan? Well, yeah. I mean, your use needs to be like, you need to be billable, you know, yeah. to insurance companies. It can't be direct. Also, it won't help. It'll help also. It's like a mandatory five years of clean time. Right, right. Yeah, wow, huh? <laughs> yeah. You're going to make an amazing clinician, Chris. And you're an amazing, you'd be an amazing asset today. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell people, go get their doctor. You'll have to stay clean for at least five years. That's right. But yeah. what, wait, Dylan, what is... Never to have Soberlink while they're graduating. <laughs> exactly, Soberlink. What does Chris's PhD, though, what makes that more billable than Chris... 
Like, what does the PhD do for you in the sober houses? That's a good question. So, actually, really nothing, nothing directly, because I don't do any insurance stuff anyway at this point. So that, that, that insurance thing was a joke. But um, I think eventually, when you have someone like Chris, who is, has at least sat in a classroom for four years and like <laughs> and done that type of work, like there will be a difference in his ability to um, to both like I think to evaluate and in some sense to like to read into some like deeper trauma stuff. I think. Yeah, dual diagnosis stuff. I see Chris in an office with lots of books on the shelf, and Chris is sitting in one of these swivelly chairs, and you only see the top of his head, and then he turns around, and he's smoking one of these pipes, and he nods, and he smiles, and inside his head, nothing is happening. (laughs) That's what I I could just see him with that pipe and the grin, and, and, and just all sorts of dementia in his mind. But on the outside, he looks very like pipe smoking and surrounded by books and stuff you know what i mean that's interesting i do wonder that dave do people that don't know him well like what do they think when he gives that smile like do they think like oh this is just a nice young man that's with what, a presentable smile that what uh, we know it's like devious and full of shit oh my god it, it's you masterful it's, like at what point does the public know that they don't because chris because chris's greatest it's like the the devil's what's the the thing about the devil the devil's greatest trick is is telling the world that he doesn't exist (laughs) and chris's greatest trick is like he just wants to like you and never see you again (laughs) and then he goes oh that guy was a really nice guy that that's chris you know his name again yeah yeah no, none at all. But Chris also like he likes to collect admirers. <laughs> he doesn't like to stick around. He just likes to be liked and he's gone. But let's not like give him too much credit as far as the effort he's willing to put forth to attain that, because it's pretty minimal. It's like either it sticks or it doesn't, and really no sleep lost either way. But he does make an effort. He makes an effort to jump in there and really, he can seem interested for a good four minutes. And like really interested though. Like like more so than a normal rube off the street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. You're right. And then we know, but we know when we've lost him, he does that like his jaw hangs low. It's like, yeah, yeah. And you know, he's gone. Oh yeah. The second he gets his first response, he's looking out the window. He's like thinking about like where he's going to get his next meal replacement bar or whatever the fuck he wants. I don't know. Yeah. He's he's an amazing specimen of a human being though, right? No, it's true. I mean so, so the the quote from Chris that embodies this the most, I think, from my point of view is that his dream to just get lost in the shuffle. <laughs> that was, well, for some, for some clarification, that was, um, for the people listening, I saw my, co- we had a college counselor at my high school. I went to a private school and they basically go over your co- college options. And he's like, Chris, what are you looking for in a college? And I was like, I want to be lost in the shuffle. I was like, I want to be just another face. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants that? Okay, well, anyways, shifting gears. Most likely to be lost in shuffle. (laughs) I think that's great. Um, So, Dylan, he is every man. He he is. Chris is a very, very special subject, I have to say. 
Um, okay. It's true. Okay, well, shifting gears, so we were uh, talking before you called in about some of the most pathetic things we've done to get drugs, and I, I shared a couple things, like, you know, shooting puddle water or smoking weed out of a plastic bottle with no tin foil, just poking holes in the side of it and putting it on there. So that's something, if you had anything that comes to mind to share, or just any story in general i always really like and it's kind of serious a little bit but i always like the story you tell about like when you went into the hospital and like your side was hurting and you were bruised and what you said afterwards that was a good one but just anything you got a story for us so when you talked about any length of um like going to any length to use kind of thing yeah both in like manipulation of See, both of mine are probably so run-of-the-mill. I used to think I had this really dynamic, crazy story, which I may or may not, but um, I like hear this shit all the time. Um, Do we swear on here? Yes, you can swear. (laughs) Okay. Um, So there's the puddle water. I also did puddle water. I I shot toilet water. Um, Did you flush? Did you do do a courtesy (sighs) flush? Did I what? Did you courtesy flush before you drew up the, the water? Oh, yeah, because in my mind, that actually worked perfectly. And I think, now thinking back, why didn't I just use behind the toilet? That's a great question. That's a good question. Did you, Dylan, did you ever hear the story about when Chris would spit in his hand on the Coke to try to draw up the mixture of Coke and saliva? Which doesn't work, by the way. Oh, my God. No, that's brilliant, though. I mean, I can see where you're Continue. I think the water in the toilet after you flush is actually really clean. Am I wrong? I, I think I mean, you're wrong. No, it, yeah, I mean, there's got to be something bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I mean, I almost lost my foot from an inspection short there after, so I yeah. don't know. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, God. So there was always, like, the, the like, panhandling and the stealing checks from my mom and, like, my mom's friends, like, showing up at their house begging for money and like so there's all that stuff that's like fairly typical and then like what lengths when i shot coke i would never shoot coke unless everything was guaranteed to be perfect there was gonna be there's no room for like craziness when you're getting into that so that's when like everything's already taken care of i'm not like running around the street shooting coke personally yeah uh, yeah i don't advise running around the street well i oh and i've talked about tell real quickly the man pajamas Oh, God, really? Yes. Yeah, tell them about that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we used to do these things called... I used to do these before work. <laughs> I'd stop by my buddy's house before work. We'd He'd set up with me. He'd, he'd put a needle in each arm. One would be Coke. One would be heroin. And he would, like, slowly push in and go back and forth on them. And, like, if it felt like the Coke was getting way too much, you'd be like, all right, man, back off, back off. <laughs> and then we do those. Like, that was a myth, Jamma. And it was cool because you could, like, you could kind of, like, lay back and close your eyes and just, like, not have to worry about the technical parts of, like, pushing the plunger down. Yeah, it's like a drip. It's almost like a drip. You, like, turn the drip up. Dylan. Yeah, exactly. Dylan, <laughs> did, you, did you invent the phrase Mamba Jamba? I think this crit, this dude... Did that I was getting high with, who was the worst, by the way. I, I kind of, I both hated this guy and revered him. Like he always came through, so I kind of loved him. But he was the most annoying and abrasive. Yeah. So I just dealt with him, but like that's like a something he would totally make up. Like one morning. So yeah, that's it's, <laughs> it, it feels pretty original though to that setting. It was and funny because life. somebody wrote us about 
where, where did we hear about that? Somebody wrote us about that they did it, and then Chris was like, oh, yeah, that's a Mamba Jamba. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I was like, I was sure that it was a real thing, like yeah. a speedball yeah. was a Mamba Jamba. <laughs> but I guess you guys invented it, which is awesome. Yeah, I guess so, man. Thanks. Yeah, it's true. I don't give myself enough credit for that. Yeah. You should. I should. Um, um, tell the uh, tell the going into the hospital because that's a depraved story, and there's also like kind of like a silver lining in terms of a recovery message and how pathetic we can be. And um, okay, right. okay, this is where I was living in. Um, I was living in Scottsdale at the time, 2004. If anyone was there and was partying at like CBNC or. Desert something or all those clubs in like early 2000s. That's where I was living. And this is when my alcohol was early 20s when my alcohol was alcoholism was like really blooming. And I was really figuring out that like in a bad and kind of sad way that I cannot manage this thing. And then I was like trying to add in coke. And this is before opiates, but I was still fending that off. But like doing coke and benzos and drinking and trying to maintain. But every time I started drinking, it just got to this where I would um, got to the point where I would just continuously drink until I wound up in detox or got arrested or like my buddies like basically held me down and forced me to go to bed and like locked me in a room. Um, so in one of those particular moments, these guys all went away and I got a hold of like five liters and just went at it for like two or three days straight like one of those you wake up and, and it's five but you don't know is it like 5am or pm it's kind of hazy but who cares um, and just like smoking butts and pounding booze um, and so they came home found me got super freaked out because I was like a total mess bottles all around me they brought me to the hospital these guys were like heavy hitters but they were by no means alcoholics certainly not like I was um, and they brought me there and I'm in like they they go through and alcohol poisoning and all this other stuff and it came to find out I had alcoholic hepatitis and I had all this bruising on my side and it was like continuously getting worse and that's one of the reasons that dudes brought me there is because I have like this black and blue all over my side and the doctor and this is like like internal this is internal black and blues it's not like you didn't bump into anything yeah, no, it's internal and external. Okay. Yeah, no, I didn't bump into yeah. anything, but I had, well, we didn't know that yet. It's scary. It's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. freaky. And I remember having, like, the ultrasound, and, like, that's what I came out of. That's what, like, the first thing I remember is coming out of that is having, like, an ultrasound with a catheter and needles everywhere. And, like, mm. that whole scene where you're just freaked out. Um, and so then I stayed there, and they released me, and the doctor obviously was like, listen, you have, like, significant damage to your liver. If you continue to drink, you will not make it. I know you're 22, but you're not going to live too much longer. Like, your alcohol, your liver cannot sustain this. So, whatever. We've all had stuff like that. And what was, and we've all had stuff like the next thing, because I went downstairs. My buddy was like, hey, what, what the fuck happened? Like, what's been going on? And he goes, oh, the doctor said I must have drank too much, blacked out, and fell and hit my bru- my rib. So I have like a cracked rib. That's what the bleeding's from. That's the bruising. Let's go get drunk. And it was like nine in the morning, and we went to ESPN Sports Zone and got fucking ripped by like noon. That's so and I just kept on going. That's pretty fucked up, and, right? Know, yeah. And then if I'm speaking or talking to somebody who doesn't understand alcoholism, that's where it comes to. Like I much would have at that point rather died than risk not having alcohol. Like you can't scare me into, and not because I'm a tough guy, you can't scare me into it. But I would literally rather die didn't lose my heroin or my alcohol or coat, whatever it was like that my relationship to that was more important than my relationship to my family or my life well totally. it's like life has no meaning life is a boring you know it's a shell of a life if you can't do x y or z oh am i right dave it is the worst yeah 
Totally. And it's, um, it's, you know, for me, it was like the consequences were enough to get me sometimes to stop. But it was like literally for a matter of hours to at the best, like a month or two. And that was it. But then the consequences of stopping are so bad that's that what you I'm saying. needed to use. I, I, that's what I'm saying. The consequences will keep me stopped on my own willpower for a month or two. And then it's life is so miserable, I either can't sufficiently recall the pain you know, that was caused from it or I just don't even give a shit. No, exactly. Yeah. No, there's no – that stuff goes away so fast. Like my, I can no – there's no possible way I can bring back that feeling of being in detox for the 30th time or whatever. The humiliation and the despair and the physical pain, that's gone forever. I'll never be able to access that. But you'll be able so, to see it on a daily basis with your job. Yeah, totally. And yeah. even that though, oh, you should – every day I'm like, this idiot drank again. Like, <laughs> like, I can't believe he did it. <laughs> I know. I fell into it too, man. And it's like, no, there was something – and it's so tricky and nebulous. Like what happens, that flip getting switched – it's amazing, it's though. It's amazing. It's amazing to even think about it because of all of the times that we all did that. And like, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the switch does get flipped. And like, like, I think about getting high from time to time, and I'm glad I, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's such a mirror. Like, and I, I, I like my life, which is weird to say. Yeah. But, and I like being sober. And like, like, getting high, like, it would ruin me. Like it just—it's amazing to get to the other side of it. Is yeah. all I'm saying. Oh. It's a—it's a, a miracle. Is not like a short-handed word. It is a miracle <laughs> no. to get to the other side. And I'm just gonna say that because it's like we all were the same, like just like that. You couldn't get fucking time, and if you had time, the only thing you wanted to do was lose it. Yeah, you know. And, and to be on the other side is fucking cool. It's a good deal. And yes. I remember having that. I remember having a notion, like, the record I had before this time was, like, a month and a half. And I had this notion that, like, maybe I can stay sober forever. Like, maybe that's possible. Never did I ever imagine that I would not have to live under the lash of the obsession, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I you never figured, pictured that it wouldn't even be a part of my thought process at all, ever. And when I would see it, I would literally recoil, just like the promise, you know? Like, I would, like, alcohol seems gross to me yeah. when, not that long ago... I would like do. I would walk across town at four a.m. barefoot to get a bottle. I remember my brother's mom had. You know, like yeah. And and during that those periods when you're walking around barefoot, when you envisioned what sobriety would be, it was basically you're like some way I'm gonna figure out how to grit my teeth and deal with the obsession for the rest of my life. So when yes. it's fi- yeah, when it's finally lifted, it is. I, I remember I talked about this um, at this event like a couple weeks ago. I remember because I, I would always think about shooting coke, the blood rushing into the needle and registering. I remember being sober for a year and remembering I, I and thinking one day I haven't thought about that for like three or four days. And that was like a big deal. And then another six months later, it actually like went away. You know, And now it's like to have that totally gone. It's amazing. It's totally amazing. And I wouldn't wish it on the worst people. You know, I wouldn't wish it on the worst enemy. It's the worst feeling ever. Oh man, yeah. I That's know. why you and should stay off that opiate Reddit. <laughs> even and I could, I feel like a couple of years ago, even it's like just progressively been getting further and further away. And I don't kid myself that it's still not available. Like tonight, it's available, so I don't play with that. But like, what a gift to never, I never encounter the obsession or even well, like Dylan. I'm thought. gonna, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna call bullshit on one thing because you're still very aware of it, and so am I. 
when it comes to cookies and cake and ice cream because it's the same thing it's just a much less of a uh it just resonates on a lower frequency oh man because it's still there it's i i notice it it's just not you're not going to flip your life over but i still it's like i can notice the obsession for that no it's true and it's weird it's there's it's a less powerful obviously of an obsession like i would not go to a quarter of the lengths i did to get hair on to yeah. get fucking cake yeah but at the same time the consequences are so manageable in my mind they're like what's one three more cupcakes like, yeah. well, it's not gonna make or break me which is true <laughs> but that pattern over three years has previously like made or break me you know uh, so, my favorite story it, about dylan is that like he was so i don't even remember who this was somebody told me this about you dylan and he was um they, you guys went to like a convention or something like that and you were staying at a hotel with somebody and for the dopey nation dylan's in really good shape he works out a lot and stuff but he has issues with food as do i and uh so they, this guy i don't even know who it was he told me that one time um in the middle of the night he woke up and looked over at you and you had like 15 candy bars on your chest and you were just literally just plowing through them at three o'clock in the morning and you turned and looked at him and said you don't tell anybody about this (laughs) (laughs) i usually like the uh that's funny i mean yeah that's been a huge struggle for me and i don't beat myself up about it too much but yeah it is fascinating to watch and man do i have so many late night hotel vending machine binge stories like oh my god yeah I need another fellowship. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think we're all you're holding in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I went to the doctor the other day to get um, a physical, and like last year I went, and my cholesterol was really really high because I work in a restaurant and I used to eat a lot of French fries and meat and stuff. <laughs> but so like last year I was like I'm not going to eat French fries anymore or meat at work, and I basically cut it out, and now my cholesterol is much lower. But now he's like. But your sugars are still way too high, and you need to start cutting out the sweets. And I'm like, no, yes. I, I don't. Not, don't take those away from me too, you know. And it's like it's a big deal. It's like Chris made a, a pact with this woman that he's not going to eat sugar for 30 days. And, and my and my fiance wife was like, we shouldn't eat sugar for 30 days. And I was like, I really can't make that commitment. Um, you know, I just can't. It's just too much for me. I, I live for this shit. It's it's a problem. But it's not the same kind of problem, we'll yeah. say. It's not the same kind of problem. And, like, in my experience, like, I don't know. I hope that I continue to kind of hone my behavior, but not in, a, like, an obsessive way. You know, like, I still want to just, like, enjoy and have fun. If I can have my numbers better and, like, live longer and be more of service and be better for my family, all that stuff, then, yeah, of course. Like, if that's what I want. Honestly... I feel much better 23 and a half hours a day when I'm not doing that shit. It's that like half hour that where I'm binging and like releasing whatever into my body that, that I'm looking for, that that's the only time it's actually beneficial for me. Totally. All all right, Dylan, we're going to wrap it up, but for the, the dopey nation, um, for the people who, uh, we've said this in the last, I don't know if we said this episode, last episode, but we've been getting a few emails from people who like want to stop and they listen to Dopey when they're on their way to cop and they're kind of in that contemplative phase. So you got any words of wisdom um, for those people, for the people struggling or anything, what they should do? 
Dude, yeah, I mean, we're getting more and more resources available, like professional resources, which, I mean, of course, everybody knows, like, hit a meeting, A-A-N-A-C-A, that's awesome. Also, though, there's a lot of really good therapists, there's a lot of really good drug and alcohol counselors and psychiatrists and psychologists, and there's, like, teams of people, especially increasingly right now, willing to, like, put serious time and effort into helping, and they care, and they're awesome. And it's like, life is worth it, life will get better. And it's so true. And like, you don't have to believe me. Just do something, you know? Just do something. That's right. All right, like, man. We're going to get, um, uh, Tim messaged me before. We're going to try to get Tim on here at some point too. I was hoping to do both of you in the same episode. Oh, that'd be great. I'd yeah. love that. Yeah. All right, uh, my brother. I'll, I'll be out there yeah, next great. weekend. Thank you for calling in, Dylan. It's good to hear you, man. Dude, of course. Likewise, Dave. We'll talk soon. Hopefully Thanks. I'll meet you one day. And for everybody, that was total last minute. I literally texted Dylan and he just called in. So thank you, dude. Love you guys. All right. Later. Love you too. Uh-huh. All right. That was cool, man. <clears throat> yeah. What do we got? We got to wrap this up. Should I read the email? No, I'm going to read this email. Okay. Is it a good one? Is it a long one? No, it's just what we keep uh, talking about. And I might as well just read what the email. What is it? I'm just going to read it. What the fuck? What is it? What the fuck, man? I'm just going to read it, dude. All right, here we go. This dude writes, What's up, fellas? This is yesterday. Uh, My buddy Jay and I love the podcast, and it's actually become somewhat of a ritual listening to the show every morning on our way to score our junk down in North Hollywood. Lately, both he and I have only been scoring enough shit to last a day as we have been desperate to get the fuck out of hell and leave this super fun life behind. Ugh. So each and every day we roll to North Hollywood saying it's our last day to party and talk about our plan to kick and how we will handle the withdrawals, etc., etc. Super smart, yeah? Ha ha ha. Probably not. Background. Jay and I have similar habits. The same old story. We started with a few Norcos, on weekend nights and 11 years later, we are doing a gram to two grams each day of China. I, I never got China in California. Anyway, we both have a shady doctor that supply us with Roxy's, but when we each mow 180 milligrams to 300 milligrams at once, they disappear fast, sending us back to New Hampshire to score, or North Hollywood to score. We have been through 100 dealers, burning a few, a few disappear, and a couple dead. Our current dude is actually pretty reliable. 15 minutes is normally 30 minutes, and in the world of dumb shitness, that ain't too bad. So the point to my email is this. Tomorrow is going to be day one kicking, and I'm totally stoked on it. Might sound lame, but listening to the podcast and hearing some hilarious stories from people on the recovery side of the dope game reassures me that things do get better, and just hearing the genuine happiness... Genuine happiness... And the tone of both of your voices reminds me that it's so worth it, and I'm so ready. I have 12 milligrams of Suboxone that I will mow. He loves mowing. Yeah, what is mowing? It's eating. Uh, Six milligrams at 24 hours, then four milligrams around 36 hours with two milligrams in my pocket just for peace of mind. Shit's going to get real, real quick. Uh, but for me, it's time. It's fucking on. I will check back in with you in a few days. I know you dudes get it, and it's cool to share a few thoughts with people who do. Besides Jay, nobody in my crazy life knows 
What insanity I deal with every minute of every day, so a moment of honesty makes me feel human again. And damn, that's not a good that's not a good feeling you have very often. Junk the fuck out. Thanks for bringing me a little hope and reminding me that it is possible to make a comeback. And if nothing else, just crack a genuine smile. Thanks for the little push I needed. I'll let you know what happens. Thanks. I'm not going to say his name. Nice. That was good. <clears throat> and then I wrote back, and he's doing it. He's doing it. Yeah. I want to shout out to um, when he gets out, he'll hear it. Um, fuck. I remember his last name. I can't remember his first name. The guy who went into Mountainside today. His name is Andrew. Andrew, Andrew yeah. Shout out to Andrew. Good Andrew. luck at Mountainside. And good luck to this dude. Good luck to this we'll guy. We'll call him S. And then we got to read the one from the Brooklyn guy next time. And while you're at it, Dopey Nation, if you're still listening, like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram. Send us an email. Send us an email. Drop us a review on iTunes. Check out this Artie Lang complete sober addiction saga. It's fucking fascinating. Yeah. Also, I've been thinking, like, you guys are the greatest thing that happened to Dopey since Dopey happened. So maybe you should share it with your friends because we need to grow this motherfucker. No, yeah, we're extremely vain. You should write vice. I'm vain. Dave doesn't think he's vain, but he's vain. You should write vice. Are you vain? I don't like the word vain. You hate it. Vain is an annoying word. Vain is like staring in the mirror. I'm not vain like that. In the what? The in mirror. The, in the mirror. You say mirror weird. No, I don't. You do. It's like staring it's in the mirror. <laughs> I, I was looking in the mirror in my room. It's mirror. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the room. Um, but um, what was I going to say? Fucking hell, man. What the fuck? But you forgot? Yeah. Let's just wrap this shit no, up. No, it was important. Drop us a review on no, iTunes. No. I you want know. you to write Vice. I want you to write Serious XM. Are we barking commands? Are we commanding the Dopey Nation? Dopey now? Nation. Write Vice. Yeah. Write Serious XM. Tell them you want Dopey on your dial. Couldn't, yeah. Why couldn't we be on the Howard Stern channel? I don't know. Probably because we're extremely disorganized and we're just two rambling idiots. All right, Dopey Nation. Stay strong. And toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. Wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind 
I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find, and I want to be good so bad. Suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, 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 and these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.